Greetings, Soma Church. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. My name is Tayshawn McKinley, and I serve as the Director of Operations at Soma Church. Before we dive further into this podcast, I want to take time to let my church family know that I long to be with you guys. Like, I genuinely miss you guys, right? Like, like if I had my way, when all this is over, you know, I, w- I would throw a huge party for the church and it would be absolutely epic, right? Like it would be epic if I had it my way. But seriously, I miss seeing you guys. Uh, I miss you guys so much. Uh, and I can't wait for the day that we uh, get back together and connect physically. Uh, this week, we are continuing our Holy Spirit sermon series. So far, we have learned how uh, 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 who the Holy Spirit is, how the Holy Spirit helps us when it comes to unity and maturity, and what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. And today, we're going to walk through together what it means to participate in Spirit-filled worship. Uh, in my experience, uh, when I heard Spirit-filled worship, uh, this came to mean by, by various different church bodies that I've been a part of, it came to mean participating in certain activities such as speaking in tongues or dancing. Where I come from, they called it shouting, right? I don't think some of the church know nothing about no shouting, right? But where I come from, uh, we call it shouting or dancing uh, uh, or, or singing very expressively. Uh, this is what spirit-filled worship came to mean. And so today I want to share with you from a biblical perspective uh, for a brief time what we should mean as believers when we seek uh, uh, to participate in spirit-filled worship, when we hear the terms uh, spirit-filled worship, and when we encourage other people to worship God in the spirit. So what is spirit-filled worship? Right. First thing I would like us to wrap our minds around is this idea that when God speaks about worship, he is speaking about our everyday life and not necessarily one moment in a Sunday gathering. Uh, So we hear this a lot when we talk about worship is not just one experience, but worship is a lifestyle. That as believers, our lives is dedicated to worshiping our Savior and to worshiping our King, to worshiping our God as Father, right? So, so spirit-filled worship for us is more than an idea. It's more than a moment. Spirit-filled worship is a lifestyle. And so let's read a couple scriptures. I want to start off with this one passage. Um, we're going to read John chapter four, starting at verse seven. And we're going to read a good chunk. We're going to read up until uh, uh, verse 24. And the word of God reads like this. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? 
for the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For the father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Guys, there is so much to dive into uh, in this podcast, and I'm going to try to keep it brief, but it's so rich, this encounter that Jesus has with this Samaritan. And let me remind you, um, even as the scriptures point out, that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans, right? There was a deep conflict in lifestyle as well as theology between the Jews and the Samaritans. Um, the Samaritans, they engage in marrying foreigners um, and they also um, they also neglected or rejected uh, the Old Testament um, uh, version that the Jews held on to that we know as believers is what is authentic scripture. They kind of edited it and came up with their own Old Testament scripture. Not only did they not with not only did they not hold to the Old Testament, they really only held or tried to 
hold to a corrupted version that they made of the of the Torah or the first five books of the Bible. All right. Which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. So so they 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 held to a very um, um, edited version of the whole Old Testament, which in and of itself was not an authentic uh, replication or or rep, uh, representation, I mean, of the word of God. All right. So they had a, a lifestyle difference and they also had a theological difference that was deeply rooted for years between the two. So this encounter was very specific and very intentional from Jesus. And we want to uh, break down some of the things. I can't do all of the things, but some of the things that's happening here in the scriptures. So first we see Jesus sits down and, and asks the woman to give me a drink. And the woman, the Samaritan woman says, how is it that you would Jew?" Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. And Jesus answers her. He says his response. Listen to his response. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. Listen at her. And the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? She goes on. And Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of the water of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. All right. So there's a lot to break down here. So let's get to it. Okay. So, so this woman is used to this whale. This whale is embedded in her history and her culture. All right. This whale is what she knows. And so, when Jesus comes and asks her to give me water, give me, give me some water. Okay. She thought that this was an, a, a unique, a interesting moment from the start. She knew from the start that this was a different conversation. Hence why she says, why are you even talking to me? OK, she knew that this was different. So she was somewhat marveling. She was somewhat amazed that Jesus being a Jew, not even knowing his true nature. She was amazed that he would even speak to her. OK, and so Jesus, watch this in his brilliance, he wants her to see something even more amazing. You think it's amazing that a Jew is talking to a Sumerian. I want to show you something more amazing. That if you really knew who you were talking to right now. You would ask me. For something to drink instead of 
lingering on about a Jew talking to a Samaritan, that there is something so much more amazing going on here that the God of the universe is speaking with you. I believe that as I read this text that Jesus wanted to reveal his nature to her. We see that at the end that he actually does reveal who he is to her when in other scriptures he conceals his true identity and being the son of God and being God himself. Right. So the conversation from the jump for both of them, the conversation starts off already in the sense of amazing. And Jesus continues to one up her and doesn't engage in this whole Jew talking to Samaritan. Rather, let's talk about God sitting and talking to man. Right. Like, like he, he won up. So you're, you're surprised that a human is talking to another human. What about God, the creator of the universe? Right. Like talking to another human, like, like, let's go there. Let's take it another level. Right. That's what God, Jesus, that's what he does in this moment. The, the woman response to this, the her response was, how are you going to give me water? And you don't even have a bucket. To draw the water, right? This is her response. He's trying to get her to to understand what's going on on a deeper level, but she is so spiritually blind, right? She is so unaware of what is going on in this moment that her questions uh, they baffle me, to be quite honest. Um, but these are the same things that we go through in our everyday lives. So when we look at her, it's not a a, a, a one-off story, but people such as myself and, and people in our church and people in the world, we go through the same similar experience when we are coming to the knowledge of the truth. And sometimes, often, even after we've come to the knowledge of who God is. So she says, how are you going to draw this water and you don't even have a bucket, right? And, and Jesus, he does it again. He really kind of ignores the question, but he kind of answered a little bit. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so this how he does it again. Like, like, don't worry about me drawing water without a bucket. You're, you're looking at the wrong thing. Like, like, don't make this conversation about, man, I wonder how he's going to water out the well. Like, that is the wrong thing. What you should be really thinking about is how is he going to give me this water, this spring of water that leads to everlasting life. And the reason why this is important and the reason why the Samaritans were in error by editing the Old Testament is that they were unable to worship God properly because they did not adhere to the truth of God's word and they did not have the authentic scriptures to really properly acknowledge God for who he said he was. They made up a God by editing scriptures to who they wanted God to be and what they wanted God to stand for. And so if they would have had proper scriptures, 
they would have known about Proverbs 13 verse 14. She would have known about this where it says the teaching of the wise is a fountain of water, right? She would have had probably had some type of concept that Jesus, as he shared his wisdom, the wisdom from Jesus satisfies the soul and the wisdom of Jesus is what 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 in essence is truth. And and the reason why I'm saying the wisdom of Jesus is in essence truth and how this ties into spirit filled worship, because Jesus says a, a couple chapters later, three chapters later in John seven, uh, Jesus, he stood up and he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. And, and John continues to write and he says, now this he said about the spirit, which those who believed in him were to receive. So you get here, you get this talk about uh, drinking and, and, and rivers and flowing. Uh, but John makes it plain three chapters later that he believes Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit when he's talking about um, this whole river and drinking water and flowing out. Uh, that it is God's spirit in our lives um, that takes away the thirst from our souls. It is this spirit of God that as a person is overflow with the spirit of God. The spirit of God has indwelled a person. That person is able to now go out into the world and give life. Right. This is why at Soma Church, we believe that the gospel changes everything that as people have been changed by the by the message of Jesus Christ, his life, death, burial, his resurrection. Right. That the fact that he will come back again for his church, that this message, that it changes everything. And as people who have received this message, we are now enabled through the spirit to go out and give life. Right. To see and seek the flourishing of our cities, the flourishing of our families, the flourishing of our neighborhoods. This is what the spirit enables us to do. This is the overflowing of of God's spirit. So not only does Jesus wisdom uh, 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 satisfies our souls. Right. It not only satisfies our souls and our thirst. Right. But also the Holy Spirit is satisfies. Our thirst. So, so what is spirit-filled worship? Spirit-filled worship is worship that is expressed and that comes from the depth of our heart towards God as we understand the truth of who God is through his word and through his spirit. Spirit-filled worship has nothing to do with a body posture, but it has everything to do with our hearts and our minds. When we hear the scriptures speak of worshiping in truth, right? Worshiping in truth means this, uh, that, that all worship, really all worship is a response to God's truth. All Godward worship is a response to God's truth. 
Jesus prays in, in his high, high priestly prayer. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So worshiping in spirit is acknowledging what is true. Acknowledging the truth that is revealed in God's word. This is why we believe at Soma Church that confession is an act of worship. Confessing sin and also confessing out of your mouth, just making a declaration of what is true about God. This is why praise and worship, listen, praise and worship cannot come from a heart full of unconfessed sin. My brother, my sister, if, if you're listening to, to this podcast and you have unconfessed sin, I'm telling you, the truth is that we are sinners. We are not perfect, that the only one who is perfect, righteous and just is God. The only one who lived the perfect life is Jesus Christ. Right. And the truth is that as we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So my brother and my sister, it does you no justice to hold on to unconfessed sin. God gives us this grace that we can come to his throne boldly and we can confess our sins. And we do not have to be scared of, 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 of punishment. We do not have to fear punishment by coming and confessing and telling him what the truth is. We know that by confessing, we're just agreeing with him and we're putting ourselves in alignment with his truth and how God says the world ought to be. And we're agreeing with God. Psalms 51, starting at verse 10, it says this. It says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Unconfessed sin. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my savior, and my tongue shall sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I will bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. So much church confession. The truth in confession is an act of worship. It is an act of worship towards God. Worship is expressed from the heart. When we talk about spirit filled worship, spirit filled worship comes from the heart. Prayer without our heart in it is meaningless. If we sing a song and it doesn't come from the heart, it's meaningless. A sermon that does not come from the heart, it's meaningless. Confession does not come from a true repentant place, does not come from the heart, meaningless. A gift that doesn't come from the heart is meaningless. You get the point. 
You get the point. How you worship, how you worship is way more important than the location or space you engage in worship. This Samaritan woman was asking and looking for all the wrong answers and asking all the wrong questions. Now, I want to say this. The church specifically is a great place to be reminded of God's truth every week in a place that often leads us to worship by by, by washing us with the truth of God's word. So I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to belittle the importance of gathering together corporately every week to be reminded of God's word that the church uh, that the church building on on a Sunday or, or whenever we come together and worship, whether it's MC or whenever. Uh, that it has its place. It is a great place to be reminded. Uh, but the church building is not and should not be the only place where we worship. And that's the point that we're getting at, that this this worship that we talk about is a lifestyle. It is an ongoing lifestyle of confession. It is an ongoing lifestyle of, 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 of acknowledging the truth of God's word and, and being grateful in that truth. You ever, this is what I mean by grateful, the joy that we get. You ever wonder why we are at church and we raise our hands and as we sing a song, if you ever just, just started bawling and in tears or just hit your knees and hit the ground or have you ever just sung aloud? Have you ever started dancing, right? Right? Have you ever started because you heard truth in that moment and that truth so stirred your soul that you could not help but to engage in this type of activity because of the truth that you heard stirred your heart. And so spirit-filled worship, it, it, it both comes from uh, it both comes from the heart. Watch this, the heart, and it comes from the intellect. Okay? Spirit-filled worship is not void. Of the intellect. This was the in, this was the interesting flaw that the Samaritan woman and, and that whole camp had that they were trying to worship God, but did not have the truth of God to properly worship God. This is why Jesus says you worship, but you know not who you worship. Are you listening? You worship. Yeah, but you don't know who you worship. Right. So the intellect is very important. This is why searching the scriptures and understanding who Jesus is as he reveals himself is super important because, yes, worship is important. But if we don't know how to worship from the heart and who to worship from the intellect, we fall short automatically. Automatically. And, and so while I'm speaking on that, let me backtrack a little bit. So, so when I mentioned earlier the how we worship, whether it's tears or whether it's silence or whether it's dancing or whatever, and I want to encourage my brothers and sisters at Soma Church to not withhold your worship, okay? Not withhold your worship. I'm not saying that you have to dance, but what I'm saying is if you feel led to dance, and you withhold your dancing, right? I believe that is an error, okay? That if your heart is so stirred to begin to dance and you don't, if your heart is stirred to clap your hands, if your heart is stirred to lift your hands in worship and you don't because of what other people may say or think or how you may look, my brothers and sisters, we are in error when we do this. 
So I want to encourage my brothers and sisters to to not withhold your worship. And so the how, right? Uh, practically, let me drop this. Practically, a genuine, unrestrained response is the proper response when it comes to worship. So when it comes to worship, I'm not telling you how or what to do. But what I'm saying is a genuine unrestrained response is the proper response when it comes to worship. However, your heart is stirred to worship God. Engage in that. Right. It's beautiful to let go and be free. This is why we see people like David dancing to his clothes coming off. And it is an act of worship to God because his heart was so stirred in this way. So this is the proper response, the how we worship. When we worship, our hearts rejoice, man. Well, think about a lot of times for, for whatever reason, we quite sing to worship with singing is worship. But again, this is a lifestyle, right? And it's not only the singing, but I want to use singing as a reference. This is why we worship and, and we rejoice in worship, because what happens is when we hear the God's truth, when we hear God's truth sung over us, we say, man, God, you're so good, right? This is why we can worship God when we go out and we just look at creation and we say, man, you're good. When I go to the beach and I see the sunset, I say, God, you are good. That simple declaration of truth is an act of worship. Are you listening? Declarations of truth after we see the goodness of God and we say, God, you're good. I hear my daughter sing frozen songs and I say, God, you're good. It's an act of worship. This is why when married people engage in intimacy, that some people call it an act of worship because it is. We say, God, you created this. You have ordained this and it's good. It is worship. Right. So these declarations are acts of worship. Oh, guys, I'm, I'm getting excited. This podcast is going on 30 minutes. But I, but I want us to get this, that worship is both from the heart and from the intellect. What we think about God, how we interpret scripture, um, how we how we know and understand God with our minds is important. It is also an act of worship. Right. And so what we need is not intellect alone and not heart alone. We need both together. We need both heart and intellect. Both of them meet together as an act of worship. And so and so not in an attempt to split hairs. But I think this is why Jesus says worshiping in spirit from the heart, from the inside and in truth from the intellect, from what is true. Right. And so I just want us to get this church. I want us to understand what it means to worship God in spirit and in truth. And hopefully my goal was to give you practical applications on what this looks like when it comes to worshiping in spirit. And so lastly, I want to say this because I think that it's important. I think that this is how Paul encourages the church uh, in Philippi. He says this in, in Philippians chapter three. He says, finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write. The same thing to you is not troubling to me and is safe for you. So it's safe to repeat this. 
Look out for the dogs. Look out for evildoers. Look out for those who manipulate, who, who uh, mutilate, I'm sorry, mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Right. And so as I mentioned that, that this worship is a lifestyle, part of worship family is to not put confidence in the flesh. That's what we do when we hide sin and we don't think that God is 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 able to endure and carry and take away and remove and not bring it back into remembrance again. Cast it as far as the east is from the west when it comes to our sin. We're putting confidence in the flesh. And so one way that we walk in the spirit, one way that we worship spirit filled worship is by not putting any confidence in the flesh. And so, man, let's live a life of worship. Let's worship our king. Let's worship from the heart and from the mind. Man, this has been so good. I'm so grateful and honored to be able to to do this podcast with you guys. I look forward to Sunday morning as we re-go over some of this information and this teaching. Um, And I love you guys, man. I can't wait to see you guys. And we'll see you guys in the next podcast. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week.